0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Good evening, uh, everybody. My name is Jake Swaddling. Uh, I'm, it's my third time preaching here uh, at City Light North Adelaide. I thought, yes, I'm, I have a wonderful memory of being here and I'm going to see some people I love and I'm seeing some people I love. And right now it occurs to me... Uh, there's so many people here I don't know. <laughs> so it's actually a wonderful thing. What a blessing to come back after a season and seeing this church coming to life and really growing here in North Adelaide. Uh, we are, if you don't know me, uh, I also come out of Glenelg, uh, part of the City Light family, but we're planting a church in Port Adelaide. Again, part of, that's right, again, part of the uh, City Light family of churches. We're called Anchor Church. Uh, my wife and I, are expecting our fourth baby girl uh, this March. So right now it's quite a good place to be visiting somewhere else. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> not getting much sleep already. So, okay, so uh, I do want to just start. Though. I do have a, when I think of this church from my previous visits here, uh, and I'm, I'm 100% saying this genuinely, a real sense of warmth when I think of this church... Uh, and you guys do figure in my prayers. Uh, So when Don rang me to say, can you come and preach uh, next week, uh, I snapped it up, actually. Uh, Somebody else is covering at Anchor tonight for me, and I've taken the opportunity to be here with you. Uh, We're continuing in our series, uh, Why Do We Gather? I believe it's called. Uh, We're we're working through Luke. Uh, And there was a number of choices, and I wanted to... I really grab onto one that's called Why Do We Gather? So like essentially, why are we here? Uh, now for a lot of you who don't have a City Light background, you may not have heard a sermon on this before. If you do have a City Light background, I nearly guarantee you've heard a sermon on this before. And so tonight I wanted to take the opportunity to ta- approach it from a different angle, uh, from, from I think many of us would look at. I want to take a look at why we gather from a missional perspective. Okay, What does our gathering do? What does it accomplish in the mission of God today? In the mission of God is purposes here in North Adelaide. What is going on here right now this evening that has an effect on bringing people to faith in North Adelaide? Um, so we're having an outward focused look at why we gather This evening, if that makes sense. So if you don't mind, I'll open in prayer and uh, we'll continue on with this topic. Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for the privilege it is to be back amongst brothers and sisters uh, who I have not seen for some time. Uh, Lord, I thank you for what I can see here this evening in this gathering, Lord, I'm really encouraged by what I see here this evening in this gathering, Father. I see your hand here, Lord. So I pray that through uh, what I have prepared tonight, your spirit would speak clearly, Lord, uh, and give us a fresh sense of what our gathering, what opportunity it gives us um, to bear witness to the gospel here in North Adelaide. Uh, so Lord, please please work amongst us, open our hearts tonight. Uh, and correct anything that I might err, Lord, and bring me back to truth. Uh, We pray this humbly in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, So looking around, I can recognise some people who have been involved in prison ministry with me. We go up into the jail and we share the gospel with people up in jail uh, and we've had some baptisms uh, out of that. People who have transformed their lives uh, through that ministry. But then... I'm going to say Friday night, I got a phone call from somebody else in that ministry and there's a guy who has come to faith and he's now left and he he was full of of hope and and joy and focus and he wanted to plant a kind of a church, a kind of a church. Uh, This was some months ago this happened uh, and now he's quit and he's quit the faith altogether uh, because... That gathering as it formed was not um, matching the image or the plan or purpose he had for that gathering. So they've rung me uh, because I somewhat have a connection with him and they said, Jake, can you ring him? And I rang him and he's telling me, look, I just wanted, I had this vision, I'm an ex-bikey, I wanted like a Christian kind of clubhouse and where this happens and, and he goes, and Jake, what I didn't want to happen the very purpose of what was, I didn't want to happen was that I didn't want sandal-wearing Christians to be there. Okay, I'm like, you're going to have to tell me what that means. <laughs> he goes, well, you guys. And I went, what? He yeah, goes, you. And, you know, all the guys, and you've got the certain clothes you wear, and you do certain things, and you have certain haircuts, and I don't want you there, because it makes us uncomfortable. And I went... Really, he wanted a place where bikies could feel like they belonged in the Christian faith. But now, Christian wearing sandals had turned up and he has left. And I asked him, mate, I said, what do you think the Bible says about why we gather? Like, what is your thinking around this? Like, Why do you think you are right here? And he was shocked by the question because he'd only ever conceived of this gathering of Christians together as a a process of needs in the congregation being met. So that's how he thought of it. I think that's how a lot of us think of our gathering is how our needs as individual Christians are somehow met, like discipling through the Word, participation in communion, these kinds of things. And he's been evangelised and he's been brought into a faith by, I have to admit, a ministry that has quite a low view of the purpose of the church. Right? He's just reflecting what he's been taught. One of the leaders, one of the men who would helped bring him to faith, when I asked that man, what church are you a part of? He replied, I can't be very bothered with the church much these days. I love meditation and ritual and I can do that by myself. The church as a gathered body, he told me, isn't really what Jesus was all about. The church as an organized gathering that we see now is a modern invention. There's probably forms of this lurking in the people you know and you're not even aware of it. One lady has a very famous blog in the United States. For some reason, it's famous. And she says, your church can be sleeping in on Sunday morning, baking cookies to fill the house with that smell and crawling back into bed to podcast a sermon by yourself. Cookie church it's called and it's a growing thing. You put cookies on, it fills the house and you've got your podcasted sermon and that is your needs being met. And this frustrates me because it communicates something about what the gospel is to the world. This approach, both of this bikey and of this woman and of this man, completely misunderstands or even ignores one of the key purposes of God in sending Jesus into the world. And now opposing this view, and in contrast to this low view of church, is a commentator who has declared that the local church is the hope of the world. The local church right here tonight is part of the hope of the world. And it may seem overblown a little, a bit grandiose. I 100% think it's true. There is something in this gathering that is the hope of the world. And if you read your paper, if you talk, or follow any type of news at all, you will see that the world desperately needs hope. Politics is failing. Google if the United Nations is working, and see the result. A one, my probably my favorite hope headline that I found this week comes out of Britain, and it's "Megan Markle's Engagement offers hope to black women." That's how reduced our expectations around hope are becoming. So this evening we'll be taking a look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. That's the scripture we'll be heading into. We'll be going to chapter 3, verses 9 to 12. So Ephesians is a background. It's it's one of my favourite biblical books because it gives us the grand suite of God's redemptive purposes from the foundations of creation until the summing up of all things in Christ. So Paul is writing into a context in Ephesians And he's responding to that context in light of the eternal purposes and plans of God. And as he does so, he's going to reveal something of the way we should gather as a body, as a church. So I'll read Ephesians 3, 9 to 12. He's describing himself. To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realised in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. This verse 9, as we open it, is essentially uh, Paul giving himself his job description, right? Right? to bring to light for everyone. What is the plan? So there's a plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. To bring to light for everyone God's plan. First time I heard that I'm thinking the Gospel. Paul is wanting everybody to grab a hold and see the Gospel and I think that's part of it. But too often, and I think particularly in the individualisation of the West, we approach the Gospel from a very individualised perspective and we reduce it to a, person, a question of personal salvation. Christ died for my sins, which is true, but in, an incomplete understanding of the Gospel. He's doing more than that in this passage. Let me read 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20. I think we get a bigger picture. So God's plan, hidden for the ages, but existing before the foundation of the world, which means before sin, right, was to defeat sin and death and reconcile sinners to himself through Jesus Christ. And that meant for us to be reconciled to God included being reconciled to one another and in our reconciliation to one another we become ambassadors of this message of God's reconciling all things through Christ in his death and resurrection. Are you following with me? We are ambassadors of reconciliation. You are an ambassador of reconciliation to your community. And the world doesn't know this. To bring to light something presupposes that people are currently in the darkness. It's soul destroying that people seek hope in things such as celebrity engagements. All right? It's destroying your community. Through us, he is making his appeal. Ephesians 3.10, our main text. God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. We are making this church in its gathering is making known the manifold wisdom of God. So when we gather here in North Adelaide, when we gather in Glenelg, when we gather in Port Adelaide, we gather as in reconciled people to God, reconciled people to one another, carrying as ambassadors this message of reconciliation to the communities we find ourselves in, in which we gather in, and then somehow making known a manifold wisdom even to those in the spiritual realm. The angels who have existed in all eternity with God are learning something about God's wisdom by observing the church. By observing tonight. This this church or any church gathering is not an afterthought or an optional in your life. It is not a recent development. This gathering that we are a part of has been declared and and set by God before Adam and Eve were created. F. Bruce Bruce, describes the church gathering as God's pilot scheme for the reconciled universe of the future. I will phrase it, city like North Adelaide is God's pilot scheme for the reconciled universe of the future. That's a serious calling. Pilot scheme for the reconciled universe of the future. He goes on, the uniting of Jews and Gentiles in Christ was God's masterpiece of reconciliation and gives promise of a time where not Jews and Gentiles only, but all the mutually hostile elements in creation would be united in that same Christ. As we know, the Jews and Gentiles hated each other. The Jews had a rule, if you murdered somebody, you yourself were murdered, unless you had murdered a Gentile and then you weren't. That was the level of antagonism between the groups. And in the reconciliation of those parties into one body, God is declaring something about the gospel to everybody. You don't have a more beautiful calling in your life than to be reconciled to one another and to reconcile the people in your community to one another. The spirit of Jesus ministers to us in this gathering and he breaks down the dividing wall of his hostility Sorry, between us. He has broken down that wall between each of us tonight. It's in his word. There is now no reason for hostility or indifference or awkwardness or carelessness to exist amongst us. No reason. Ephesians 2.14 Talking about Jesus. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one man in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. We are called and equipped and enabled to be perfectly reconciled to one another. And in our perfect reconciliation, which is at most on display as we gather, in our perfect reconciliation, a world hopelessly and increasingly divided must see it and must ask why. I want to encourage you to embrace this calling and I want to talk an example of a church in Sydney where I think in my mind I saw as an extreme, an example as I think I've personally witnessed of reconciliation in the church. Essentially two men are up on stage and we're all, what's going on? The pastor's in between them and he gives a brief story and then hands the microphone over to them and he says these two men both came to faith in this church were both baptised in this church. They were best friends uh, for I think 11 years. They they supported each other through a lot of things and then this man here had an affair with this man here's wife. And the church grieved and the church mourned. It was public, it was horrible. They were divorced. She remarries his former best friend. Couple of years go past. This gentleman rings his former best friend, now married to his wife, to say, I forgive you. And I forgive my ex wife. Because I'm called to be an ambassador for reconciliation. And if Christ has reconciled me to the Father, I can reconcile with you. This man gets cancer. Who cares for him more than anybody else in that church? The man who has taken his wife. This is in the middle of Western Sydney. The most multicultural community, I believe, on the face of the earth, apart from Jerusalem, right? because all the different groups have gone there. But Western Sydney is as multicultural as you will get. And if you sit in that church why I sat in that church because I wanted to see it. You will see Greeks sitting besides Turks. You will see Jews sitting besides Palestinians. You will see every type of group who hate each other, who have wound up in Western City, represented sitting together because the church is conscious of the fact that they are agents of reconciliation and that their gathering reflects a new body of Christ. And there is no room left for a dividing wall of hostility. These are people who have lost uncles and aunties to people from the other ethnic group who are now joined in worship for Jesus. Perfectly reconciled. And the other thing we should know about this church is you have to book being baptised there because they can't fit you in. That community around them noticed What's going on? Only through the wisdom of God can something like that be possible. People know that. We've been trying a million things. Nothing else has worked. Every religion, every secular institution has failed to establish peace amongst humanity. As the angels watch, as Paul makes clear in Ephesians 3.10, angels or spiritual beings are watching us and what are they seeing? A humanity sinfully broken, hopelessly divided at war because sin divides and isolates, right? We door knock some certain housing trust communities in Port Adelaide and I'm telling you the overriding uh, a wave or sense you get from those homes is the isolation they have from one another huge screen doors, terrible fear of the neighbour, of the other. That's part, I think, of the tragedy of the human condition. We fear one another. We have this dividing wall. It's why it's so difficult to sustain a gathering of humanity for any time. In fact, much of, if you carefully if you want to have a read of the New Testament, you might have started a New Testament reading plan for the year, and you're, so you'd be right at the start of it. Look for how much it deals with the tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. Groups not wanting to let go of their hatred of one another. In Galatians we see... Peter refusing to eat with the Gentiles. Even Barnabas, Barnabas, named the son of encouragement, is withdrawing from them and Paul confronts them publicly to Peter's face because, and this is Paul's words, their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. That conduct of separating one another within the church is not in step with the truth of the gospel. And Paul publicly confronts him. In Corinth, there's I don't know how many splits going on. There's a split between the rich and the poor. There's a split around the communion table. There's a split between the super spiritual types and the rest. You don't have to travel far to see something like that. Uh, there are splits between groups following different speakers, right? That's a church that's split everywhere. In Philippians, we see Yodia and Sintashi, I believe, in disagreement... Publicly so much in disagreement that Paul has to write to them, right? We have it in scripture, they're internally in scripture fighting, and Paul's writing saying, Knock it off. You have to put that aside. And then we have whole church movements like the Salvation Army formed because poor people did not and were not allowed into churches. So people had to go and start something new. What does that testify to? And of course, uh, I was friends with a black former pastor in Alice Springs, a South African. You had black and white churches, right? The ultimate tearing apart of the gospel witness. So if that's our calling, agents perfect of reconciliation, perfectly reconciled to one another, and our human condition to fight, that we want to fight against our calling... Is to divide, right? As sin, particularly as sin might be lurking in your life, it will seek to pull you apart from other people in the church. It will seek to separate you out from your friends. I think every church, and certainly at Port Adelaide, I'm asking and I'm watching, and I'm asking, how are we trying to divide ourselves up according to culture? rather than being unified in the gospel and keeping with God's plan for this church. If the whole culture right now is tearing itself apart and we aren't asking ourselves that question, how are we unconsciously mirroring the culture? It's worth thinking through. I've been in Adelaide for two years. Two years believe it or not, today. date. Uh, I just realised that this morning. So I have something of a fresh perspective, I believe. If you ask me now how I would describe Sydney, I would say, oh, I'm not exactly sure, but I've got a fresh kind of perspective on Adelaide. And I would hazard to take some stabs at how that division operates in Adelaide as opposed to other places. Something we can look out for. Firstly, broadly speaking, I don't believe Adelaide particularly divides itself along ethnic lines. I am very comfortable. I see churches all the time. People are very comfortable, language barriers notwithstanding, mixing, and it's a wonderful thing to see. And I say that is a testimony to God's grace. However, I don't think Adelaide itself is dividing itself like that either. You could argue that the church may be less ethnically diverse than many of the colleges down the road. So race is not a divisive issue in Adelaide today as it might have been in the past. Certainly there will be things in this that is still challenging, but I don't think it is as a problem as it has been in the past. So if we're going to embody God's work of reconciliation in ways that challenge the culture, it's not enough to say, well, we are ethnically diverse because this is something I believe I have noticed in Adelaide. The city likes to divide itself with status symbols like money, uh, like suburb, Branding yourself with the clothes you buy and wear, or accents. I'd never heard, I have never heard the term "mullet-proof fence" referring to Grand Junction Road outside of a church. Who do we like our kids to play with? That's how our city, this is who we are ambassadors to, is choosing to divide itself. And the question is for Port Adelaide, and the question is for Glenelg and for North Adelaide, is, are we like the city around us in that? Are churches filled or being seeking to be filled with young professionals singing and worshiping Jesus Jesus alongside of uneducated welfare recipients from a housing trust? Is that happening in our churches in Adelaide? Are angels shocked by the diversity of status in our churches? Or are we roughly all from the same background? I can't answer that on behalf of North Adelaide. I can't probably answer that anymore on behalf of Glenelg. I can answer that on behalf of Port Adelaide and it's difficult. It tends to skew. And if we want to embody the gospel to the best we can, we have to fight that tendency amongst ourselves and I'm as tribal as anyone. I'm an ex warfie out of Brisbane who's somehow landed where there's a waterfront kind of suburb, right? I'm as guilty of this as anyone. But I have to fight that tendency and you have to fight that tendency to work at bringing your gathering as diverse a mix as you possibly can. How far is Kilburn from here? Anyone from Kilburn? So a college lecturer has told me it's impossible to do. A pastor in a poor area of Adelaide has assured me it's impossible. And he wanted me to know when I talked to him about his church that, yeah, we're in a poor area, area of Adelaide but we this church is full of middle class dependable people unlike those who live near us. That's nearly a quote. He was as uncomfortable with those who dress differently and order their lives differently as that ex-bike he was. So yeah it's difficult. It will be uncomfortable but it will be beautiful Right? and Jesus has said he will do it. I repeat Ephesians 2, for he himself is our peace, who has who has past tense made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We just have to walk into that space. Acts 29 gathering global gathering last year, and it's words that have stuck me. Don Redden quoted, I wasn't there, I've heard it through Don. So I'll paraphrase. His name is Thabiti, and he says that concentrating and loving those who are just like you is merely self-love on a wider scale, and that's how the world works. That's not how God works. So I just want to take a moment to ask you to imagine the power of this church gathering all tribes from around it where you're having those worship songs. I had that moment singing uh, just before where you kind of feel like you could float and you can hear, I love the acoustics in this place and you just imagine the, 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 the diversity of humanity you could have here singing. Singing. And just like that church in Western Sydney, I tell you now, brothers and sisters, people will notice because it is God's plan that they will notice. They will notice. And when they notice, you will be revealing the hope for this world, and you will be revealing the beauty and the power of Jesus Christ. So there are many reasons why we can say we gather as a church. Many good reasons when we think of it from our personal salvation as Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ. We sit under the word, we worship, we do all these things but tonight I wanted to take a moment just for us to dwell as a gathering and what we as a gather proclaim. That we gather Only as God can make us gather or we merely gather in a godly way but as the world gathers. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus Christ to reconcile us, Father, to you. Our sin has caused separation Uh, from you and from one another, Lord, and you have dealt with that. Uh, For that we thank you. Uh, Lord, we ask that you lift our eyes uh, to the harvest. It is plentiful around us, Lord. Please, we pray, do not let us be selective in how we gather the, 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 the crop for you, Lord, the harvest for you. Please build in us and in all the City Light family of churches, Lord, a hunger for those who are different. Let us not merely be content with easy worldly options father but trusting in you and seeing your church explode here in adelaide we thank you for your word we pray this in the name of jesus christ amen thank you for listening to audio from city light church we hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others For more great content, more information about City Light Church or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.